Friends, I want to show you something this morning that fascinates me. I want to ask for your patience here for a moment. I've got my table up here, and I want to ask if everyone in the sanctuary, even those on this side, can you see the table okay from where you sit? All right. I have a science experiment today. This is something that has always fascinated me. Uh, I jimmy-rigged something uh, that I want to show you today. It's magnets, and I love magnets. How many people are fascinated by magnets? Oh, I just... I have always been fascinated by magnets, and it was my original intention uh, to bring Will's old Pinewood Derby car with me this morning, but guess what? I could only find two wheels, <laughs> because guess what? The last time we raced it, uh, we were at the Pinewood Derby, and the whole, we, you know, you start up here at the top, and you're using the force of gravity, right? Uh, if you've ever seen a Pinewood Derby uh, set before, you, you put them at the top, and you let them go down, and the First one to the finish line uh, gets, the, gets the winning car. Embarrassing experience, I have to tell you. Uh, the last time Will and I did a Pinewood Derby car, the, I put the car together, and the whole thing fell apart on the way down the hill and was never able to be put together again. Uh, so there are two, two wheels left to that today, so I, I was thinking I'd bring that with me to this morning, but it didn't quite work out as I planned, so I brought one of Sybil's toys with me here today, and I strapped uh, a magnet to it. Can you see that? I strapped a magnet to it, and one of the things that, that fascinates me the most about magnets is this, is this push. You know what I mean? The push of, of, of a magnet where you can kind of when you put the, 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 the wrong sides together, or the, the, the similar sides together, the positive with the positive, the negative with the negative, uh, that you, get, you can actually feel that push. And sometimes it's fun for me to, to, to kind of touch them together and then to feel them push apart. And so one of the things that I thought I'd do this morning, because this has always fascinated me, is to observe with you that invisible force. Oh, that's not going to work, is it? Oh. Here we go. I'm going to get it all the way across the table. First try. I don't know why, but that fascinates me. I could do that all day long. And I might do that all day long this morning. This fascinates me. You know why? I think part, part of the reason it fascinates me so much is because I can feel that push. You know, you hold those magnets together and you can feel that, that push, but I cannot see it for the life of me. And when I do this, faithfully, it's going to move. And I know something is there. And I know that works somehow. And yet, I can't see it. And I love that. And I may just do that for the rest of the day <laughs> and, and make you watch me. I may just do that. And I think what fascinates me most about it is just that, I mean, I know we can come up with an explanation. I know there are probably some scientists in this room that could tell me exactly how that works, but it never ceases to fascinate me, that question, what makes it move? What makes it move? What makes that work? Why is it that I can actually feel that uh, when I push those poles together? Endlessly, endlessly fascinating for me. You know, with the beginning of this new year, I began a sermon series that I'm drawing to a close today that I'm, I've been calling Beginning Again. And if you've been following along with me over these past several weeks, you know by now that 
that we've been taking a, lo- a long look at the beginnings of a lot of Gospels, and especially the Gospels of Mark and John, and what they have to teach us about beginnings, and particularly beginning again. And beginning again well, and especially when it comes to our spiritual lives and our life as a church. And it seems to me that, that Mark has been particularly good at a good place to start in looking closely for lessons about beginnings. Because from the very beginning of this gospel, I think we're drawn in very closely to see that there is something very clearly behind the scenes here that is giving this new beginning some force and some success and some forward motion. It's almost as though on some level Mark isn't just saying something about this new beginning alone, but about the success of of any new beginning that God sponsors and empowers and stands behind. Throughout the beginning of Mark's gospel, you can almost feel... That invisible force, like, like in our magnet experiment this morning, pushing the narrative forward as it goes. It starts with an announcement of the beginning of the gospel. Getting started there, right in verse 1. Preparations are moving forward. The right people are moving into place, like John the Baptist in this case. There's a readiness And there's an eagerness humming in the crowd just waiting to be tapped into. And when it finally is, visible, tangible movement actually starts happening. There's progression in Mark. In fact, the beginning of Mark is short and sweet, compact, just like Evan told us a couple of weeks ago. First, it's the Baptist, and then it's the baptism. And then Jesus, very briefly, very succinctly, heads off into the wilderness, but then he comes out like a wildfire. He's announcing the kingdom. He's inviting to follow, calling forth disciples who are responding willingly to him. And the crowds keep growing and growing and growing. Last week, it was a new teaching as well as a healing in a synagogue service. Real things taking place in in church, as I said last week. This week, they're still in Capernaum, this time at Simon and Andrew's house. Simon's mother-in-law lives there. And by the end of today's reading, Jesus has had to slip away because there are so, so many people making demands of his time and attention that he has to go somewhere else to pray. And what I want to call your attention to most closely today is what I want to call the Mark 1 trajectory. The Mark 1 trajectory. And what I mean by the Mark 1 trajectory is this pattern of expansion, this pattern of growth, this pattern of that hidden, invisible force taking off and coming to life just at this right time, giving this new beginning a hidden force and life. It seems to move almost on its own, in fact. Because this is a new beginning that this people was ready for. This is a new beginning that's real. This is a beginning that's thriving and taking off because it is delivering on its promises 
even as it expands. In Mark's presentation of the beginning of the Gospel, it's not just that Jesus has the Midas touch, so to speak, that turns everything He comes into contact with into gold and success. In Mark, it's that the Kingdom of God has drawn near. As in Jesus' words right there in verse 115, And not just that he is ready, but that everything is ready. And things are coming together at just the right time for a real and lasting renewal. The Mark 1 trajectory starts small, person by person, but very quickly grows bigger and bigger and bigger as it spreads by word of mouth. And today, where our passage begins... Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law and shortly thereafter continues that work as he finds their house surrounded by the whole city. And those that came out to see him from miles and miles around. He's meeting needs. He's being present to the sick and to the greatly disturbed. And before too long, after he's taking time to escape and to pray, it's time to keep on moving outward. And it says at the very beginning of, uh, at the very end of the passage for today, that he went from there and quote, and he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming a message in their synagogues and casting out demons. In other words, most everything that he's just got done doing already there in the town of Capernaum. The exact same thing. You know, there's something curious about that to me. When you look back through what we've been reading already at the, from the beginnings of this gospel, especially as it relates to what's taking off here in this Mark 1 trajectory that I'm calling it. It says... His healing and his preaching are making an enormous impact on the world around him. But it's strange how little of his actual preaching we hear. In fact, by the end of the closing verse of our scripture passage for today, we have only heard four small snippets of speech from Jesus in Mark. Not even a full verse, most of them. Certainly not a full sermon. Just four short quotes from Jesus in verses 15, 17, 25, and 38. In other words, from Mark's presentation of events, it doesn't appear to be the case that the sudden explosion of effectiveness and responsiveness was a result of Jesus using a whole lot of words. He didn't give long sermons, apparently. Mark tells us he was doing a lot of teaching, but this wasn't a Jesus seminar. What teaching and preaching he was doing, Mark actually just calls it proclaiming and announcing. And what proclaiming he was doing went hand in hand with the healing, with the touching of lives, with the -the on-the-ground ministry. The Mark 1 trajectory charts out the success 
and the progress of a ministry where faithful proclamation and on-the-ground action go hand in hand, and where that ministry was meeting up with hungry and hungry and ready hearts. If there is one, uh, if there is one message, then its message to us seems to be to just to just dive in and be faithful to the work. Allow God to worry about putting you in the place you need to be where the hungry hearts are, are searching and the hungry bellies are feeding. You just concentrate on being faithful to the work. So what does it look like to just start? To just begin again from scratch with the Mark 1 trajectory as a model in our minds? Well, for one thing, I would say and observe from the beginning of Mark that just look at how remarkably simple and unencumbered this new beginning really is at its heart. Jesus is proclaiming and he's at work healing. That's it. And that's remarkable because at the same time, Mark, as I've said previously, has placed this story of Jesus' life in the context of a long and complicated history with twists and turns, starts and stops, many, many, many trials and failures. The story of Jesus for Mark, is the beginning of the good news that takes shape with and as part of that long history. And you could only imagine that if someone asked that question once upon a time, how do we as an entire people make an attempt to start fresh and begin again? That most would probably have answered, well, it's complicated. Well, it's harder than you might think. Well, it's impossible. Just look at how simple Jesus has made it. Curt language, short stories. Jesus just starts off faithful to the, to the proclaiming and to the healing. Another thing I might add, though, it's it's not just that Jesus has made this work of getting started again very clear and very simple. It's also that this beginning of the gospel taking off here is unadorned. It's not flashy or showy. Instead, it just focuses on being the real thing and the true thing. We talked about this last week with Jesus in the synagogue and the crowd and you, if you remember, sitting on the edge of their seats. When it's the real thing and it's meeting real deep needs, a new beginning in ministry cannot help but take off. They're surrounding his house here today. When we offer the real thing, it will no longer be a demand problem, but a supply problem. You see, church, at some moments in our lives, we, we all run up against these junctures where we feel like it's time to, to start again, where we feel like it's time and that we need it to be time for a new beginning. And so often, I think we talk ourselves out of it, don't we? 
So often we get discouraged and discourage ourselves from from venturing forward precisely because this isn't our first rodeo with new beginnings. Whether it's in our lives at home or our lives at work, in our spiritual lives, in our church life, we allow ourselves to get discouraged with beginning again because we're tired. We've tried before and seen new beginnings fall flat before. But there's so, so much good news here at the beginning of the Gospel for you, friends. Because new beginnings are possible. Even after hundreds and hundreds of years of trying and failing. And they don't need to be as complicated and as encumbered as we want to make them. God can do a new thing. God desires to do a new thing. And when hungry hearts are ready, it's really just as simple as the next new and faithful step with our Lord. And so friends, whatever that may be for you today, I want to close in a prayer this morning for that one faithful step. Let us pray.